Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee Podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Hi, everyone, and welcome to an extremely special podcast episode. Today, I'm joined by Marcus Sheridan, the author of They Ask, You Answer. And this is the revised and updated version. And it describes on the front of the book a revolutionary approach to inbound sales, content marketing, and today's digital consumer. Marcus Sheridan is known for inbound and content marketing excellence. He is an international keynote speaker with a unique ability to excite, engage, and motivate live audiences. He also works with hundreds of businesses, helping them to become the most trusted voice in their industry. Marcus has been featured in multiple industry publications, including the New York Times, which featured Marcus as a web marketing guru, and Forbes, which named Marcus as one of 20 speakers you do not want to miss in 2017. Welcome to today's podcast, Marcus. So glad to have you with us today. Thrilled to be here. I think we're going to have a great conversation. Absolutely. Completely agree. And before we get into the main conversation of, of you, your past, the book, etc., when you're creating content, when you're working away in the office, what, what, what is it that you drink during the day? I mainly, uh, <laughs> I mainly just drink water. Okay. I do not drink, I do not drink any coffee. Uh, in fact, I don't drink, I don't drink uh, pretty much any caffeine. When I was, uh, when I was like growing my career, I was drinking uh, too much soda and too much caffeine. Right. And I had a, uh, I, I developed this like uh, unusual like health disorder and I, without going too far into detail because nobody would understand it. It's very, it's, it's like a rare condition and, 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 and it comes from uh, sometimes drinking too much caffeine they have found. And uh, so um, it was like a neurological issue that I was having and, and uh, my body was just not happy with how I'd been treating it. And so I made, uh, you know, just like a bunch of changes. And one of the changes was I just stopped uh, caffeine cold turkey. It was amazing. Yeah. I didn't have any more of those ups and downs. And I became, you know, incredibly consistent with my energy. I, I think it's fascinating how, you know, people say, you know, I really need caffeine or I need my coffee. It's like, no, actually you don't because that's not the way that you were designed. That's a habit that we developed later on in life, but that's clearly not something that we need. In fact, there's a very good chance it could be, it could be taking away from us. Not that I have any judgment on anybody drinking any caffeine or coffee, but I've learned a lot from that experience. You know, it's, it's funny, you grow the most from your trials, right? Yeah. I grew a lot from that one. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. I know if I'm working on a webinar or a seminar, Drinking water, you know, it's one of those key ingredients to clear in the head, isn't it? You know, it helps you focus, it helps you stay on the game as well. So, yeah, um, whilst obviously a lot of us do like drinking coffee, I'm a coffee drinker, I'm also a tea drinker, but I drink plenty of water here. I've got my my sort of water with 
lemon here yeah it's really important to keep hydrated isn't it and sometimes other drinks can be dehydrating not hydrating so yeah interesting so i'm a big fan of your book as many of the listeners know uh, and of course you revised and updated the book to cope with today's um, today's aim and its market and the digital era and i was amazed at the the shift in focus and the extra value that you added to the book because we need to stand out so much more in today's world yeah. and we need so many more touches with our audience don't we and you you really do cover that in in the updated and revised edition of this book has that been something that you've been working hard to focus on or is there something else you'd like to give us a sneak preview of perhaps something that's in the works i'm happy to um i uh you know something that i haven't uh, talked much about is so they ask you answer third edition will be coming out uh this coming year in 2024 so you know this is when you look at what's happening with the web and with digital and with technology and with our just buyer behaviors Hmm. you almost have to do something every three or four years to to apply it to this day and age so I, I wrote the second edition of They Ask You Answer, and ChatGPT wasn't a thing yet. And now it's obviously a significant thing, as is, you know, all these um, AI platforms that, that we can be using and uh, what's it enabling us to do and the ripple effect that it's, that it's having. One of the things that I, I'm thinking a lot about is how do we maintain the human element in our brand, in our DNA, in our messaging? How do we not lose that? How do we create deeper human connections with our audience, uh, whether it's an audience of one or an audience of many? How do we do that through text? How do we do that through video? How do we, how do, we do that on our website? How do we do that on social media? So like, you know, these are the things that I'm thinking about all the time, right? I'm, sure. I'm noticing all the time. And so, um, I'm going to be I'm going to be discussing those more in the third edition. And one of the things that that I'm I'm going to have in the third edition too is a lot more visual representation of the frameworks that that, that that's in they ask you answer. So if you look at they ask you answer, it's like this great framework of how you can become the most trusted voice in your space and create ideally an endless supply of ideal customers, right? That's yeah. that's the goal with this. But what I didn't do there, that in hindsight, I, I, I would have liked to have done, is to create those perfect visual frameworks for people to follow because for some reason the brain really aligns itself with, with that type of thing. And that's, that's gonna be in the next edition. There's probably gonna be right. 15 to 20 of those in the next wow. edition of the book. Yeah, uh, and, and uh, as a reader of that, I say thank you because I also, you know, use a lot of the tools in in the book and the framework of of you know they ask you answer with many of my clients. And one of the challenges I always come up against is that it seems so much of common sense that you would want to answer the questions that your potential ideal customers have. Yet we still end up being paralysed in this position where we can't seem to get into their heads. Because we're stuck in our own heads, aren't we? You know, we we have our own idea of what we think our audience is asking, 
And very often that's not the same as what they are actually asking. Is that something you see a lot of? Yeah, we so there's this uh, thing called uh, the curse of knowledge, mm -hmm. which affects all of us, right? And curse of knowledge is when you become so familiar with a topic that you start to see it and communicate it in a way that is frankly inconsistent with the way the rest of the world sees it. It's no different. Yeah. The, the example to this is like my mom, she was in the medical profession growing up. She was terrible with the curse of knowledge. So I would, she'd come home from work and I'd say, Hey mom, how's your day? And she would start telling me these medical terms that I didn't understand. But in her mind, it was like, Duh, everybody should understand this. She couldn't get out of her own head. If you talk to somebody in the military, my brother's in the military. Military has lots of acronyms, things like that, right? And so you talk to somebody in the military, ask them about their job, they might struggle to explain their job because of the curse of knowledge. And so what happens is business owners, marketers, people that have been in, in their industry for a long period of time, they forget what it was like to be a buyer, a customer with doubts, fears, worries, concerns, issues. And they don't simplify that buying process enough like you and I do. Like you and I, when we're researching something, we're like, um, you know, what's the problem that it solves? Uh, how much does it cost? How does it compare to this, you know, this other stuff that I'm, I'm looking at? Yeah. You know, what are some of the best, the worst? Like these are the things that we're asking. We're not overcomplicating it. And we're not, we're not biased in that process. You see folks that are in the industry, they become very, very biased. They become almost like jaded in terms of, again, the knowledge that they have. So the companies that are most successful with marketing online and becoming that voice of trust, that most trusted brand, they're the ones that think most like the customer, most like the buyer. And believe it or not, that's, that's more unusual than it is common. So if you can do that, truly put yourself in the shoes of your customer, like, I mean, really, like, cognitively speaking, think like them, act like them, search like them, then you're going to be sure. very, very successful. Yeah. And it, it's interesting that you obviously you mentioned social media, uh, and there are other platforms, obviously, we can share content on. And all of the the frameworks that you talk about in your book, and hopefully going to see them in the third edition as well. I'm really looking forward to that. They are transferable, aren't they? So they they can work in content that you create, that you post on any of the platforms, but they also can work, ex you know, and I've used them myself, in networking, where you're face-to-face -face with people. Because yes. if you can communicate effectively and understand that you you show that you understand them and you can put yourself in their shoes, then that works in every scenario, doesn't it? That's the beauty of communication is the, is the principles of sound communication don't change, whether it's in person, uh, whether it's one-to-one, one-to-many, online, offline, right? And so that's why in 2025, I have a book coming out that's just on communication. And... Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's really how to, uh, to, to solve the problem that we have of disconnection with our audiences through what is a, a transformative means of communicating. 
And you know, it's interesting. I look at my life, Simon, and what the things that, that drive me, there's always a, because you know, sometimes people say, so are you a sales guy, Marcus? Are you a marketing guy? Are you a leadership guy? Like, which one are you? And the reality is, is my obsession is clean communication, transformative communication to solve the problem that is disconnection with audiences. Now, sometimes we might call that marketing because in the digital world, many brands, the relationship that they have with their customer base is a disconnected relationship. In the world of sales, oftentimes the salesperson, when meeting with the prospect, doesn't make that beautiful human connection with them, the prospect feels disconnected. In the world of leadership, when the leader is speaking to their team or has a one-on-one with a team member, they're trying to ask the right questions, use the right words, oftentimes there's this feeling of disconnection. And so the problem that I solve is disconnection. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't always understand that. I just knew I was very, very interested in these three subjects and constantly talking about them. You know, it took me a little bit of time to figure out, oh, that's actually the through line of my life, my professional life. Yeah. But I think one of the things I find fascinating and really useful with, with your book, Kurt Marcus, is the the storytelling aspect of that. Because when, when I introduce um, your book and I send a copy of of the book to to any of my clients and they say who's this marcus sheridan i say he's the pool guy mm-hmm. because the pool guy yeah. connects with the store and they go pool guy and then i can tell your transferable story through to those uh, and it's it's the stories that we connect isn't it? it's not always the labels that we wear it's the the characters that people see us in the stories that we tell as well isn't it yeah so that's what's what's let me tell you a story about that Mm. when i was uh when i was just 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 started this business with my two friends i was probably 23 years old and i was at a family event and somebody comes up to me and says hey marcus i heard you're gonna be a pool guy i said yeah they said, what a waste. What a waste. Really? And I thought to myself, who is this person to define what a waste is? And in many ways, that was when I learned how society, sadly, has really just bludgeoned the trades and yeah. trade professions. And it's quite sad. I think trades are going to make a massive comeback, especially because of of AI technology and how they're going to be the last in many ways to be replaced. But I remember thinking when, when she said that, I said to myself, Oh, you'll see, you shall see, you know, and then I travel the world today. I've been all over the world. People come up to me. I don't know them. And they say, you're the pool guy. You're the pool guy, aren't you? And uh, sometimes when I'm on a podcast like this, I mean, somebody will say to me, I, I hate to ask you the pool guy story, but could you, you know, could you tell us your background as a pool guy? And, and, and I say, it doesn't bother me to talk about the fact that yeah. I was a pool guy because that is the foundation of my professional life. It made me who I am. It is my story, right? 
and it was the ultimate um, uh, fall and rise, right? And um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of lessons that came from that, but in the context of brand, in my brand, stories matter. And the pool guy example is very powerful because it allows anybody to hear it and say, well, if a pool guy could do this, why can't I? Yeah. Yeah. One, one of my favorite movies of all time is Forrest Gump. Yeah. And I think when you watch that movie, you, you literally sit there and you think, if this guy can do it, I can do it. You know, it's one of those feel-good movies. There's a few sad things in there, but you know, if this guy can put a pair of sneakers on and run to one side of the, the coast and then back, you know, anybody can do this. And it's interesting as you were talking there, it reminded me, uh, and you talked about AI, you know, AI hasn't got a journey. You know, we're defined by the journey that we've been on. We can all consume the same knowledge, can't we? We can all Google it. We can all chat GPT or whatever other platforms are out there. But the journey that we've been on in, in the implementation of that knowledge is what defines us and gives us the insights. Are there any other aspects of your journey, Marcus, that you feel have defined the person that's sat in front of me right now? Well, um, I actually, probably the most defining period of my life was when I was 19, 20 years old. And I, I was a missionary for my church in South America for two years. And um, I went down there and I didn't know Spanish at all. And I didn't understand it really, I would consider advanced communication skills at all. Yeah. And by the end of it, I had, I had really become a master communicator in many ways. Um, and there was a really defining moment for me when I was, when I was in uh, South America and I haven't shared it many times, maybe just once or twice, but, and it's very relatable to this uh, communications book uh, that, that time I've actually almost finished it like I said, it's just not coming out till 2025. And that is, um, so we once had scheduled, um, a, a, a baptism for this person that was going to, uh, join the church. Now down there in Chile, we have, uh, these baptismal fonts. And they take about four hours to fill up because they're, you know, they're, they're deep and it's a, yeah. it's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lot of water that has to go in there. So it takes about four hours to fill these up. So we schedule a baptismal service and it's me and I have a, a fellow companion who's my age, like 20. And there's, and there's uh, another set of missionaries that are female missionaries and they're in their early twenties. And so we're kind of, we're running the show there. And we schedule this service, and this lady that's getting baptized, she's invited almost the whole town. <laughs> and so we, we show up to the service. Uh, excuse me, we filled up the font, and uh, then we wait for the service, and then the whole town shows up. And I mean, it was a small town, but I mean, there's probably a couple hundred people in the room. A lot of yeah. people. Yeah. A lot of people. She knew everybody in the town. 
And so there's a lot riding on this moment. And so once everybody shows up, you know, we have our little opening. We say, okay, we're going to proceed forward with baptism now. And the way that works is the font is enclosed in this room. You can't, you have to open up the doors to see the font and then everybody, and the person walks into the font and gets baptized. And so we go, um, we, we leave the little, you know, meeting area, the chapel room to go to the font area, open up the font doors and the font is empty. And somebody had, somebody had drained the water. And so in that moment, it was a really wild moment that I'll never forget because I had only been out in Chile at this point. I was in Chile for uh, three months and my ability to speak the language was, was pretty poor. I was really struggling with it at the time. Didn't feel a lot of confidence. And the three people I was with, two females, one, one man, they were all native um, speakers. So they... You know, one was from like uh, Argentina and two were from Chile. And so, so we, we see this empty font and then something really magical happened that, that changed my life. Everybody, like all of a sudden I found the three missionaries that I was with were looking at me after they looked down at the font, almost as if to say, what are you going to do about this, Marcus? Like... How are we going to fix this situation? And um, I knew quickly in my head, I thought, well, we could fill this with cold water in 45 minutes. It takes four hours to fill it with warm water. We could fill it with cold water in 45 minutes. I said, fill it with cold water and I will teach a lesson to these 200 people in the room. And of course I had no idea what I was going to do. Right. And so I called everybody back into the chapel and I said, I said, we just need about 45 minutes because we've had a technical difficulties with the font. (laughs) Right. And, um, and I said, this is no big deal. This gives us an opportunity to have a conversation. And then I asked a question to the audience. Was this a question that was about how people feel? Um, And it gave, it was the type of question that gave people the opportunity to share their feelings. And as soon as the first person answered the question, someone else raised their hand and they started to share their feelings. And before I knew it, I was just almost like the the music director to this beautiful mm-hmm. this beautiful set of people that were that were sharing their stories, and I was just facilitating this conversation. And it was wild because there was this feeling that settled on the room. It was palpable. It's like everybody felt this like warmth and this energy and and everyone was smiling and it was it's just very very magical and i was just leading this conversation and suddenly i looked to the back of the room and my companion was raising his hand giving me the thumbs up saying the font is full 
in 45 minutes had just literally in the yeah. blink of an eye had gone by and we ended up having that service and it was it was beautiful and that night the uh we, we were standing with an older couple my companion and i uh, in their home and uh in this the lady we called her mamita uh, mamita she she comes up to me and she says um she basically says you know marcus you um you don't speak great spanish and tonight you dominated the language i've never seen that in my life i've yeah. never seen that happen before i i'm still just trying to figure it all out yeah and that was when i learned the power of just asking great questions wow something that you as a coach deeply appreciate yeah yeah and the the warmth of the connection with those yeah. people as well isn't it and when people connect to what you're saying whatever language you're speaking even if it's a language of sign and body language that's when that real connection that magical connection happens doesn't it yeah 45 yes. minutes gone in a flash gone in a flash yeah, I know what my other question would have been, Marcus, uh, would have been to the person that was baptized. And what was it like in that cold water? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny is they because they're so you so used to cold showers in Chile. You know, they're not spoiled like like many, <laughs> yes. many of us are for her. It wasn't a big deal. You know, it was just it yeah. was just, you know, she was she's in fact, I think I recall her saying. It felt amazing, you know, and so that's a, it was it was just left such an impression on my soul about so many things about about stressful moments, about the power of questions, about the power of facilitation, about um, the power of following up, because, as you know, you know, it's really never the first answer that somebody gives where you find the magic. It's the follow up questions and the follow up answers yeah. where where you, you just. Yeah. You, you just see another side that wasn't previously there. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. And I mentioned earlier on that, you know, people need so many points of contact now and to make that decision to buy from you before that they, they actually even entered into a conversation with you very often. Uh, I think that was one of the, the quotes from your book. Um, why do you think it is that we need so many points of contact from the audience's point of view? Why do you think we as an audience need so much verification uh, of the person that we're trying to you know, make a purchase from. Why has that changed? Well, one of the uh, studies that's mentioned very early in the book that's only continuing to grow is, you know, we know the average buyer today is roughly 80% through the buyer's journey by the time they reach out to a company. Uh, by the time they talk to a salesperson. In other words, they've done 80% of their research, 80% of their decision-making has been made. And that's because we have this little thing called the internet. And we have the ability to, for the most part, find whatever it is we're looking for, especially now with ChatGPT and with AI. And so our expectations 
have elevated dramatically. And because we can get the information, we're like, well, I want to get it because I know it's there. Yeah. And I'm not going to make a move until I feel safe. That I'm not going to get burned. That I'm not going to yeah. be taken advantage of. And that that is the key, the feeling of safety. And in our mind, as digital consumers, the safety comes through the information. Yeah. 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 No, I completely agree with that. So you've you've dropped a couple of uh, book bombs in there for us. Uh, third edition coming out and the, the other book around communications. Where can the listeners go to find out more about you? Where can they reach out to you and how do you want them to reach out to you, Marcus? Well, one great place to find me is LinkedIn. I'm active there. Um, I, I post usually four or five times a week. Um, and it's usually um, the audience gets value from it. And so you can find me there. You can email me directly even uh, Marcus at MarcusSheridan.com. Marcus at MarcusSheridan.com. Uh, but um, in, the, in the book itself, they ask you answer. You can find it on Amazon. And it's wild because they ask you answer has sold more every single year since it was published, really? which is unheard of for a book that's now six years old. That yeah. you know the original came out six years ago, so it continues to sell more every single year. That's certainly been the case in 2023. That's going to be the case in 2024 yeah. uh, with the uh, with the new uh, with the new edition. So it's been it's been pretty amazing to to watch how so many companies around the world have said there's a better way to do business there's a better way to earn trust and it's not unattainable for me whether you're a solopreneur or whether you're you know some type of large enterprise you have this capability in fact i'd argue if you're smaller you might even have more potential because you can be a digital david in a land of goliaths you can make your own rules and you don't have to be limited by the world around you yeah and of course, it's available on Audible. So, yes. you know, those that see the bookshelf behind me, you know, I always listen to audio books first. Um, so it was, uh, you know, that's how I first consume yours, uh, and then I buy. If it's a good book, I buy it, and then I study the book. So I don't read books, physical books. I I like to study the books, and uh, yeah, there's lots of tabs and post-it notes, and uh, yeah, lots of things in there. So we know where to go, and we know how to to reach out to you. If you could give the listeners, and I'm going to sort of tweak this question a little bit. If you could give the listeners one communication tip, bear in mind, you know, the publications that you've talked about or a lesson they can learn about communications today. What would you like to share today, Marcus, with the listener? Sure. What's interesting, and if you think about yourself as a leader right now and somebody comes to you, and they ask you a question because they have a problem. Let's assume for a second that you've answered this a thousand times because you've seen it a thousand times in your experience as a leader and you already know the answer. In this moment, what do most leaders do? Well, most leaders answer the question. And the reason why they answer the question is multiple. Uh, Number one, they think it's efficient, which is actually the opposite. Number two, and they don't oftentimes realize this, but subconsciously, 
they want to feel needed, smart, valued, and important. So this is why when people come to us, we're so quick to answer questions. A, we argue it's efficient. B, we want to feel valued. But the reality is this. The moment we answer that question for that person immediately, what have we done? Well, we've taught them that whenever there's a question, a worry, a need, an issue, you come to us, you come to me. Don't worry, I'll solve it for you. Yes. We also haven't developed that leader. They don't own it. So they haven't done the work to find the solution. And because the solution's not theirs, they're not going to be nearly as passionate to actually apply or do the thing. The same is true exactly with parents and children. It doesn't change whatsoever. The psychology is no different. And so with every conversation, we have a choice. We can be the hero and do all the work. Or they can be the hero. And we can ask questions that gets into the point where they arrive to that conclusion on their own. And they have that light bulb moment and they realize, I've got it. I know exactly what I should do. And that's what the great communicators do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, something I've learned over all my years of, of being in business, you know, and you mentioned trade. So my first business was construction. That's, that's where I came from. And I used to have a hot tub business as well. So uh, not pools, but hot tubs. But very often people keep delegating out and people keep coming back to ask those questions. Some questions we consider silly questions, but you, you're right. And we think, why is it? I'm giving this out to somebody else to do. I'm empowering them. I'm making them accountable. But then they keep coming back. It's because we keep answering their questions. And that's I think that's what you were saying about efficiency, isn't it? Short-term right. efficiency, you... but not long-term gain. Yeah, we do that, and then we wonder, why am I, Why is my inbox flooded? Yeah. Why am I the only one that's putting out fires? Why am I getting texts on weekends as a leader? And it's because yeah. you're not developing your team. The way you develop a team and the way you develop a deep culture of understanding within an organization is you learn and you teach your team how to ask better questions, more insightful questions. And if you do communications training with your team, it will utterly change your company forever, your company culture forever, your ability as a leader forever. I just, I just cannot stress this enough. And what's sad is you talk to most salespeople, you talk to most late leaders, and you say, do you feel like you're good at asking questions? They're like, yeah, I'm pretty good at asking questions. And then if you test them on it, it's oftentimes this stunning revelation that, wow, I, I, I am not what I thought. Lots of times, the way we ask questions, if we do ask questions, is things like, well, have you considered such and such? Well, guess what, buddy? You just gave the answer. They didn't do the work because right. you just said, have you considered? In other words, it's your idea. You're doing the work. It's your solution. And you're just seeing if they'll say, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. But you just haven't done anything. You haven't developed them. And so there's nothing to feel good about there. So lots of times, I even see this with coaches. I see coaches with the old, have you considered, have you thought about? And yeah. um, usually that's more self-serving than it is audience serving. Uh, and I was going to say exactly that. It's the affirmation, isn't it? We all want to be significant. And if somebody affirms what we've suggested, then that makes us feel significant. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Final question then, Marcus. You've given us so much to think about. I've been scribbling away on my little notepad here, getting all the little nuggets away. 
Final question, if you're going to have your next lovely glass of water in a dream location with one of your heroes, um, and it can be a life hero or a business hero, where would the location be? Particularly as you've travelled so many different places, and who would the person be? Yeah. Well... There's a few, certainly. Okay. Um, I mean, like, my first first answer for me personally would be uh, I'd, I'd want to meet Jesus because... Okay. Yep. I'm with you on no that one. one. <laughs> no one has written more about that man in the history of the world. Yep. Nobody's written more than than about anyone than him, yeah. And so that's 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 certainly one. Um, on the business side, it would probably be Ben Franklin. Now, the reason I say Ben Franklin is because Ben Franklin lived this amazing entrepreneurial life. So he essentially what he did is he said, "I, you know, I I want to do two things. I want to." I want to make the world a better place. I want to give back, but I, I want to, I want to be financially independent and I want to, you know, I want to, you know, have businesses. And, and so in his thirties in twenties too, but in his thirties, especially he built his wealth by thinking outside of the box of the world at the time. And he was this amazing out of the box thinker, did it differently because he did it differently by the time he was 40 he was able to literally say well i've i've built my wealth i can now give back you know here in the u.s he was the only person to font to sign all four major um historical documents of the u.s you know like you know talking constitution declaration of independence you know yeah. like articles confederate like that was ben franklin he was the only one he lived this stunning stunning life and uh, his impact really has no bounds and he was to me the ultimate in in what is design a life and say okay can you can you achieve the, a lifestyle where you build enough wealth to where you could do whatever you wanted to do by the time you're 40. And I remember reading his biography when I was in like, like 30. And I said to myself, I want to, by the time I'm 40, become a millionaire so that I could choose to live the life uh, that I wanted to, similar to Ben Franklin. And uh, sure enough, because if they ask you answer, when I turned, uh, I think it was 40, 41, I was able to sell my swimming pool company, at least the manufacturing side of the business that we had built because of They Ask You Answer. And that gave me enough financial peace to really just choose whatever life I wanted to after that point, trying to model Ben Franklin. Yeah. And, you know, it started for me 15 years ago, and it's just been amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Two great people. Two great answers. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on today's podcast. You've given me more insights and different insights than I was expecting. Uh, I never know where these questions are going to go. And 
you know, I just want to thank not only you for being a guest of the podcast, but for writing that book and helping so many people that I work with to have an impact on their audience and their people in their business as well. Because, you know, we never know where that ripple goes out, do we? It's not just one directional, it goes out and out and out. You've been an amazing guest, Marcus. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you. Thank you.